Hey there. Welcome to another season of the Nonprofit East podcast. This season is going to be all about revisiting some topics based off of where we are in the year, where some of the conversations I've been having lately have been headed. Well, if people are coming to me with this question, that means there are probably some people, it's really timely for them right now. And I'm hoping that one of these episodes this season really resonates with you and gives you some steps that you can take actions towards. Listen up. Did you know you could talk to me directly in the podcast player? Clearly, I do podcasts, so I would love for you to talk back to me. So if you want to join the community and start a conversation, check out the link in the show notes and just start with what resonated with you. Bring me a question that you might have. Maybe you'll hear me respond to it on a future episode. All right. So excited to chat with you. Any accounting, business or tax advice in this here podcast? is not intended as a thorough, in-depth analysis of your specific issues. It's not the substitute for a formal opinion. It is not good enough to avoid tax-related penalties. Got to tell you this because don't want y'all coming for me. Yep, it's another installment of my interview with Rachel Miller-Blythe. You can find the full episode over on my website. But for now, here's a snippet about the governance not just being about the board. With what is one thing that you wish more nonprofits knew or more nonprofits acted on? I wish more nonprofits understand and embrace the idea that governance matters. I think that particularly managing governance sometimes gets treated as either a side desk job or an afterthought, or it gets lumped in with another function. My experience working with charitable nonprofits, I don't think this is everyone's experience, but I think it tends to happen a lot that the development office kind of gets governance. And, you know, it's something that I think I'm really kind of underscoring what I was mentioning before, and that is that it's important to take it seriously. It's important to invest the energy necessary to really boost the quality of governance systems. But I think also I tend to have a bit of a pet peeve when it comes to talking about governance as though it's only about the board. Okay. And, you know, I think there's some literature out there that kind of hits on that, actually, that, that sort of hits on the idea that when people talk about governance, they think, well, that's the board's job. Uh-huh. And that is kind of this isolated thing that sort of lives over here. Yeah. And there isn't necessarily this broader understanding that you know, the work of governance, sure, it is the domain of the board. Like, there's no question about the idea that the board or whoever the highest governing body is, that they have the authority. But to say that, oh, it's just the board's job, or this is just the board is supposed to do the fundraising, or, you know, as easy as it might be to say, well, governance, that's not really related. It encompasses the entire organization. It permeates throughout the entire organization. And it is in and of itself a system of which the board is part of. But it's when you have a broader understanding of the way that it serves the entire organization as a system, Mm -hmm. I think it's easier for more people to really buy into it and for more people to share that responsibility. Yeah. That makes sense. I know I've never thought about it in terms of, wow, this permeates the whole organization, but that's definitely how I think about the finances. I'm like, everyone plays a part. Even if you don't request a check, you still need to understand the process. So that clearly means it's true for governance. Like just because you're not the one who's setting up that rule doesn't mean Mm -hmm. 
you don't need to have an understanding about this is how we operate and the system we have in place to do things. Right, right. And I would maybe argue that, and I don't know if you've experienced this too, but I, I think that financially, you know, talking about things more in terms of finances affect everyone, I think is almost more accessible to people because I think people who are line workers or people who are even out in the field, they kind of understand that what they do has some impact like dollars and cents wise, whether it be staff time or do I have enough money to provide this kind of service, et cetera. And I kind of envy that in the sense that there's a little bit more like everyday pedestrian vocabulary attached to kind of embracing financial stewardship, Mm -hmm. whereas I think governance sometimes just seems like a much headier concept and a little bit harder to kind of wrap your head around a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you experience that or, or kind of resonates. I do think it resonates. I do get that people think finances is, are more accessible. I don't think they always appreciate. They're like, it happens. Please submit the thing. <laughs> right. You know you play a part, but I need you to like buy into that part. I right, would right. say when it comes to making it more tangible from a governor's perspective, you mentioned like bring having the language in a finance way, but is helping them come up with a language something that you do? Do you help them say like, how do we make this more accessible to everyone? That's a really good question. And I think that there are certain touch points Mm -hmm. that I tend to sort of work inside of that that help to kind of emphasize the ways in which governance sort of spreads across the organization. And one of the ways in which I do that is I provide a lot of support, not only with boards, but also with committees. Mm-hmm. And committees are a key way that kind of governance spreads its tentacles across the organization. <laughs> and I think that when you can introduce standard practices and educate people about governance concepts that are specific to perhaps the committee that they work on, or if there is a volunteer advisory group that they work with, those are opportunities to really introduce things like effective meeting management, developing strong agendas, even being able to contextualize parliamentary procedure, things like that. You know, that is one way. Another way is report development. When people have an audience in the board if they need to do presentations or if they need to interface uh-huh. with the governing body. That is another really key opportunity to um, introduce some of the ways in which you can can kind of create that language and help people sort of understand how do you communicate with a board that helps them uh, function at a higher level, maintain kind of that 30,000 foot view. Uh-huh. I think that it's not so much a matter of everybody in an organization needs to sit down and learn about governance. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I would love to teach that class, uh, it certainly is something that in different engagements that I've had, it's been a little bit more organic and been a little bit more situational. Okay. So I I guess that makes sense that it would be an organic process. Like we need to be in it and then we'll learn. This is the turn we need to make. (laughs) Do you agree? Do you think the governance is born in the board? Check out Rachel all over on LinkedIn.